Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. And talking about realigning our priorities, our number one priority is Jesus Christ and He alone. Amen? And we ought to make sure that's the primary source of our life. And we've been talking about a few things in that service. We, we started off talking about seeking first God's kingdom. Remember we talked about, you know, it's about seeking Him and His righteousness. It's not about my righteousness, not about my kingdom, but it's about surrendering myself to the kingdom of God. And uh, Jesus was the one that told us that in Matthew 6, that we ought to surrender the kingdom. And then we talked about, the next week, we talked about, okay, what does that look like? Well, that looks like following Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus said, follow me. And so we ought to be a follower of Jesus Christ and allowing him to be the, the leader in our life. That is, that we submit to his authority and we submit to his leadership as he leads our lives. So it's not, remember, it's not, as we talked about last week, it's not a work that I'm doing for Jesus. It's a work that he's doing in and through me. Amen. And then we talked in the middle of all those, we talked about, listen, we're living here, but we're looking up, right? We're, we're living below with our eyes in the sky. We're looking for that heavenly place. We're going to go to heaven one day. And we said that we don't want to be so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. Remember, we talked about sort of flip that on its head a little bit. Well, I sort of want to tie all that together this morning with a nice pretty bow. And that bow is going to come from... 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm just going to look at one verse. Actually, I'm going to look at a half of a verse with you, but let me just sort of give you uh, sort of what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell. I want you to write this word down, and the word is discipline. The word is discipline. I want you to write that down for a minute. And I'm not talking about this morning. I'm not talking about disciplining your children. I'm not talking about parents, how you ought to spank your children. By the way, we had a long, fun conversation in Sunday school today, a little tangent in my teaching. Listen, parents, don't spare the rod, okay? You need to spank your children occasionally. Now, you can turn it into DHR. I'm very comfortable with that. So you can turn that in. Uh, That's okay. But that is a reality today. And if you, listen, and if you do spank your children now, they won't need safe rooms later. All right? They they won't need a little closet to go hide in later because they got their feelings hurt somewhere. uh, Because you've raised them the right way. You raised them biblically. Amen? So you have to spank your children every once in a while. Amen? All right? All right. Say that nice and loud. Amen? All right, at least some of y'all are going to go to DHR with me, right? So it is a reality, you know. And I didn't, notice what I did not say. I didn't say beat your kids. I said discipline your kids. Spank your children. You do need to do that. And if you don't do it the right way, you're just much deep in sin as that, right? You really are. But when you begin to think about discipline, today when I'm talking about discipline, I want to talk about that by which you and I discipline ourselves, Al Thomas, a leading creative sales expert in the 70s, said this, success is tons of discipline. Another businessman, Brian Tracy, probably one of the, known as one of the world's renowned uh, top sales training and personal trainer in the sense of business, one of the authorities that a lot of people read after says this, there is one special quality that you can develop that will guarantee you greater success, accomplishment and happiness in life. Of thousands of principles of, for success developed over the years, this one quality and practice will do more to assure that you accomplish wonderful things with your life than anything else. 
This quality is so important that if you don't develop it to a high degree, it is impossible for you to ever achieve that, or excuse me, achieve what you are truly capable of achieving. That quality that I am talking about is the quality of self-discipline. John Rowan, who writes for Success Magazine, said this. He says, for every disciplined effort, there are multitudes of rewards. That's one of life's greatest arrangements. And he steals this from the Bible. Listen to what he says. If you sow well, you reap well. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about discipline. Disciplining ourselves. Paul is writing to young Timothy, a young pastor in the ministry. And Paul, as he writes to him, is encouraging him. And by the way, that word to exercise, or the word discipline we're going to look at in a minute, is a word that Paul uses nine times in 1 Timothy. Nine times. So do you think it's important? I think it's very important. Not just for young pastors, not just for older pastors, but for all of God's children, that we learn to discipline ourselves. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to young Timothy. He gets down to chapter 4, and here's what he says in the beginning of chapter 4. There is going to come a time, Timothy, where people are not going to want to listen to your preaching. Think about that. There is coming a time, Timothy, where people will not want to hear biblical truth. What they'll want to hear is what pleases them. Case in point, we're living in that world today. By the way, I think that Timothy experienced some of that in his day. I don't think there's anything new under the sun. I think the devil is good at what he does. He's been doing it ever since the Garden of Eden, and he has not changed. He is always trying to tickle our ears. He's always trying to meet our fancies. And by the way, I've learned in our lives that we are going to do what we want to do. Isn't that true? We always find ourselves doing what we want to do. And so when we begin to think about this word discipline, I want you to understand that Paul is writing to young Timothy in the context of people who are not disciplined, of people who are wanting to hear truth, no, not truth, wanting to hear things that make them feel good, make them feel better, make them, when they leave church, they say, boy, I feel good about themselves. I had a guy come up to me about 20 years ago when I first started preaching, and he walked up to me and he said, hey, I want you to know something. I'm not going to be coming back to church. I said, why are you not coming back to church? He said, because you're a hard preacher. He said, you didn't make me feel good today. I said, brother, it's not about making you feel good. I had a guy in one of my churches, I made a comment about Joel Olstein about how he likes to make everybody feel so good. And after church, he gave me a 20-minute lecture why Joel Olstein's a better preacher than I am because at least when he listens to him, he feels better about himself. I said, well, isn't that awesome? You feel better about yourself. My Bible says if I feel better about myself, I get too comfortable. I get too comfortable. Guess what? I get lazy. When I get lazy, guess what? I find that I drift from the Lord Jesus Christ. Every once in a while, the Word ought to confront you and smack you upside the head. Amen? And that's God's job through preaching. That's God's job through the Bible study that you do every day. That's God's job that he does through the Holy Spirit. And sometimes he has to say, you know what? You're not as good as you think you are. Amen? Because listen, we're not. I don't care how good you think you are this morning. You're still a rotten, dirty, stinking sinner saved by the grace of God. And that doesn't, listen, that makes you perfectly righteous positionally with God. But let me tell you something. The ugly ugliness of our Old self still wants to try to come up in the form of the flesh, right? In our flesh, boy, do we sin. Do we do some things that are wrong? So what Paul is saying to us today is Paul is saying, listen, Timothy, what you need to do is you need to teach your people to understand discipline. So listen to what he says. I'm going to read the context of chapter 
4, verses 6 through 11, but I'm just going to concentrate on the middle of verse 7. That's all I have time for this morning. You won't probably endure more than that, but listen to what he says. He says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, what things? Verse 4, for every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. Talking about food here. For if it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer, he said this, he says, Instruct the brethren in these things, and you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have certainly followed or carefully followed. Here, notice what he's saying to young Timothy. Timothy, you have already been a very disciplined pastor. You have been a disciplined person. You have carefully followed the truth. And what you need to do is you need to instruct your people. You need to instruct your church. To follow the same truth. Notice he says in verse 7. Teach them to reject profane and old wives fables. Listen. Junk that was permeating the church there. You know you've, you've heard it said. And I think I've said it many a times before. We cannot simply believe something as true. Just because it was passed down in our generations of our families. Some people will say. Well my granddaddy always said this about the Bible. Well let me tell you something. Granddaddy was wrong. And guess what? He's still wrong. He was wrong then. He's wrong now. Amen? Why? Because you don't find it in the Bible. I had a guy tell me one time, well, you know, I've always heard in my family, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Well, bless God. How does that really work? You don't find that in the Word of God. Matter of fact, guess what? I couldn't help myself. I couldn't do anything in my deadness and my trespasses and sins. If that's the way it worked, David, I'd still be lost. Because Mike couldn't do anything for himself. Amen? So we got to be careful how we throw words around. And so he tells the church, listen, you need to get away from this old wise fables and things. Listen, let's get back to the truth. He says, so what do we need to do? Exercise yourself toward godliness. Now listen to what he says. He's going to explain it. For bodily exercise profits a little, amen? But godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of this life. And he says, of that life. That is the one that is to come. That is our eternal life. And then he says this, verse 9. For this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Listen, what we're going to preach today, what we're going to learn today, listen, he says is a faithful statement. It is truth. And he says in this truth, listen, he said it is worth accepting. That is that you ought to right now be saying, I'm ready, preacher. I'm ready to hear what God's got to say through that text. I'm ready to hear what God's got to say for my life in order that I can mature in Jesus Christ and be all that he wants me to be. So you ready for it? Because what I want to do is I want you to slip back to verse 7. Well, I'm still going to read you verse 10 or verse 11, so let's do it. And then we'll do that. He said, For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. He said, These things command and teach. So what are we commanding and teaching today? We're using the middle of verse 7. And he says these words. Listen to it again. Exercise, that word means discipline, to train, he said, yourselves toward godliness, towards godliness. First of all, let me just get right on point one, and that is simply this. Disciplining yourself is commanded. This is not an option. Paul is not saying, hey guys, get around to it and go to the gym and exercise when you get the chance. 
I've been doing a lot of research about losing weight. I spend probably, you know, about two, three hours a day, uh, or used to. I don't spend as much time anymore because I've learned a lot. But I would research about how to lose weight, how to do the keto diet right, how to do intermittent fasting. You know, what exercises should I be doing, not be doing? You know, and it, you can obviously, it's working, right? Uh, I'm using some of what I've learned. But here's the thing. If I didn't use what I've been learning, I'd still be fat, now, the reality is I've lost so much weight, and I'm still fat. I realize that by some of y'all's standards. That's okay. But the reality is I would have lost nothing. I would have filled my head full of knowledge. I would know all about the great workouts. I would know all about intermittent fasting and keto diet, and I would know all that information. But if I never did anything with it, I'd still be fat or fatter. Why do you always say that at the wrong time? I don't understand that. So let me just tell you right up front, I don't need to elaborate long on this point because the the word to exercise, if you look at it in its original language in the Greek, it is not an option. It is a command. What Paul is saying that what is acceptable and what should be accepted by the people and what is good doctrine is, is that you and I discipline ourselves toward godliness. So we don't have an option. If you and I are believers in Jesus Christ, and if we want to be godly people, then we have to exercise ourselves toward godliness. That is train ourselves towards being godly. Now, when you begin to think about that, point two is very simply what I just said too. So it's a command that I ought to what? Do. It's called action. We ought to put into action the very things that God is calling us to do. Now, what is this discipline that we're talking about? Let's sort of talk about that for a few minutes because that word exercise comes from the word that we would get our English word, gymnasium, gunomai. Gunomai is, a, is that word that means to train. And, in, and the thing is that what Paul is saying there is not only in the indicative, that means it's a command, but it's also in the present indicative. It means it's a continual action command. So what he's saying is you can't go to the gym one time and lose weight. You with me? You can't, go to, you can't go to the gym one time and lift and expect to show up at a muscle posing contest or whatever you call it, weightlifting contest. You can't do that. Neither can you spiritually, neither can we spiritually think, I've had one devotional this week, or I've been taking a sermon on Sunday morning at church, and so now I'm going to be good the rest of the week. I'm going to be spiritually healthy. I'm going to be all right the rest of the week. That is fooling yourself, my friend. Okay? You cannot be spiritually healthy just on this little bit of meat you're going to get this morning. All right? I'm doing intermittent fasting, and I can tell you right now that I fast 16 hours a day. But I can tell you that the next day when it's getting close to time to eat, if I don't eat, I'm going to feel the effect of that. I know that I'm going to, I'm going to hurt my body if I don't begin to put something in. And so I begin to put something back in to help my body to be right. And it's the same thing. I cannot go day after day after day after day without spending time with Jesus. Because if I do, then listen, I'm hurting my spiritual body. I'm hurting myself spiritually. And I begin to drift. And I begin to lose sight of why am I even here to begin with? I lose my purpose. Uh, I forget my calling. I lose my joy, my peace. 
And so he says we ought to discipline ourselves. Now, I know that when you go to a gym, you see people and, you know, I've been to the gym and I see people and they're running on treadmills and, you know, they're lifting weights and they're sweating and, you know, they're doing all these exercises and calisthenics. And Paul says they'll do all of that and that profits a little. In other words, it's good for you. We're not saying it's not. It profits a little. But he says what we ought to be doing is beyond that, you ought to go to the gym, but beyond that, we ought to be spending time exercising toward godliness. Now, what is this discipline? I know when we say that word, there conjures up in our minds some, some bad thoughts. <laughs> Let's just be honest. When we begin to talk about discipline, there's, there's some things in our heart that we go, you know, I, I just, I don't know, preacher. I don't know. So let me just tell you what I'm not talking about this morning, okay? The first thing I'm not talking about this morning is legalism. Paul is not telling Timothy, hey, hey, buddy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home, and I want you to, to make a list. And on that list, I want you to put, number one, get up at 545 in the morning. Number two, I'm going to uh, read 15 chapters of Scripture. Number three, I'm going to spend an hour in prayer. Number four, I'm going to go get a shower. Uh, number five, I'm going to you know, do, do this at the church. You know, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about making a list. It's not what he's talking about here. And so sometimes in our legalistic minds, what we do is we think we will, in order to be disciplining ourselves, we have, to, we have to have all these legal things that we make ourselves do. Here's the problem with that. The problem is the Old Testament proves that the nation of Israel just had simply 10 to follow and they couldn't even follow 10. Amen? So what does that say? Listen, if you are trying to discipline yourself to godliness by measures of legalism, you'll never make it. You'll fail. If your devotion time is about you saying, oh, this is part of my exercise, this is what I'm going to do, you're destined to fail it. Because no one in this room can keep that kind of pace up. Why? Because what we're talking about here is spiritual empowerment. We're not talking about human empowerment. You're saying you had not gotten to that point. I know, hold on, I'm going to get there. The second thing I want to say to you this morning is when we begin to talk about discipline, not only is it not legalism, but I want you to understand something, number two, it's not about being showy. I'm not trying to be pharisaical. When I say to you, discipline yourselves, it's not so that we can go around and go, hey, let me tell you what I did today. I read 15, Tim, I listened, I, I, I read 15 chapters this morning of the Bible. And, and let me tell you, it was in Leviticus. Jesus confronted that, didn't he? And you know what he said to the Pharisees? Listen, they studied the Bible. You know what he said to them? He said, you search the scriptures. You search the scriptures to do what? To find life. And they didn't find it. Why? Because to them, it was about, I'm going to look good for everybody else. So we, we pray lofty prayers. We, you know, we, we do wonderful things in front of people. And it all looks spiritual. It all looks dynamic. But the reality is, it's just for show. And so we're not talking about it being for show. We went to the men's conference a few weeks ago. One of the things that stuck at me the most is one of the guys talked about his, his devotion time and journaling. And he said, you know, I've never really been able to journal very well at all over the years until somebody told me, quit writing for everybody else to read. Journaling is between you and God. Journaling is not about one day somebody's going to read your memoirs. Amen. It's about you and God. It's about your journey with God that you can reflect back on sometime later. 
And it's not about people reading. The other thing I want you to understand that it's not what I'm talking about here today. I am not talking about the word acceptance. What are you saying? Well, there are some of you in this room, you're living your life trying to earn the acceptance of somebody else. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's your pastor. Maybe it's your Sunday school teacher. Maybe, you know, it's somebody, at, your boss at work. And you're trying to earn acceptance. I'm telling you this morning, we do not spend our time disciplining ourselves for earning God's acceptance. The only way we are accepted is through our, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And by virtue of the fact that we repent of our sin and our faith is in Jesus Christ, we are already, listen, we are already, dear child, listen to me. This is good stuff. You are already accepted. You are already his. You are already blood bought. And you know, remember what Paul said in Romans 5? If God so loved you when you were an enemy, how much does he love you now? Hmm? How much more now? I tell you, doesn't that make it freeing? Doesn't that help my devotion time? Doesn't that help my prayer time? Doesn't that help the disciplines that I use in my life to form about godliness, disciplining in my life? Doesn't that make it so much more free to know I'm not trying to earn anything from God? But oh, my friend... (laughs) The blessings that come from it. Amen? Think about it. And so when we talk about discipline, I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about us doing something for performance. I'm talking about not making ourselves acceptable to God. But let me define it for you. Write this down if you want. I should have put it on the screen, but I didn't. But write this down. It's my definition. And it may be wrong, but it's okay. You're going to get it anyway. But listen to what I'm talking about. Discipline refers to the provisions... The provisions the Father, that is God, has given to us, the provisions that God has given to us, whereby he makes us more like Jesus as promised in Romans 8.29. Romans 8.29, he has conformed us to the image of his Son, predestined us to be conformed to the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. So it is the disciplines, which are the provisions the Father has given to us, whereby he makes us more like Jesus as promised in Romans 8.29. Now, here's what I mean by that. There are three primary ways God grows your life to be like Jesus. Are you ready for them? Write them down. Three primary ways. God, number one, will use people. God will use people. He's using me, I hope, and I pray this morning to speak into your life. God uses people. But listen, he also uses that guy who cuts you in line. God is also using that, that guy that cusses you out. God is using all kinds of people in our life to fashion and form us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We may not like it, but listen, you have no control over that issue. (laughs) You can't control what people are going to do. Amen? Because people are going to do what people want to do. I said at the beginning of the sermon. So you can't control other people. The second thing that God uses in your life, we could call circumstances. That is, there's things in life that just naturally come into your life that God will use to grow you to be more like Jesus. We like those in some cases. In some cases, we don't like those. Amen? We, we don't like it when we have heart attacks and diseases and other things. Uh, when I fell and broke my ankle in 2006, uh, I did not want to be trapped in my house for uh, three months, not being able to walk. I didn't desire that. I didn't want that in my life. But I can tell you, out of that, I learned a lot. In spending solitude with God, I learned a lot about God will slow you down if you won't slow down and spend time with him. He will slow you down. And so, again, you don't have control over a lot of circumstances that come into your life. 
The third thing that God uses in order to grow you like Jesus is discipline. Now, discipline is not God spanking you, although God does discipline those whom he loves. The word discipline I'm referring to is this thing called exercise yourself toward godliness. God will use discipline, or we would call them disciplines, the spiritual disciplines, in order to grow you to be like Jesus. Now, go back to my definition. It refers to God's provision. So God has provided spiritual disciplines for us throughout the Word of God in order that we would use them in order to be godly people. All right? Again, it's His provision. I use them. The result is godliness. Why? Because when I use God's provisions that He has given me in my life... The godliness will come because it's him producing godliness in me, not me just conforming to a bunch of stuff I got to do. Let me illustrate. Sometime this morning, somebody walked into this sanctuary and back there by the men's restroom, this is where you want to know, right, is a panel board. And on that panel is circuit breakers. And on that circuit breaker, when you turn certain ones on, the lights come on in this building. And when you turn on the computer, the computer comes on. And when we turn on the TV screens, the TVs came on. Most likely Tim did a lot of that this morning. But let me tell you, he came in and he exercised what was already here. What do I mean by that? He turned on the power, but he didn't provide the power. Amen? He hit the switch, but the power came from Pea River Electric. They're pumping it into this building. If he would have come into the building and there wasn't any power and he flipped the switch, what would have happened? We'd be in the dark. I don't know how we can have church without TVs and microphones. We'd be in the dark. Actually, we could. That was a joke. We could. But you get the point. The point is that God has provided some things for us in which by his power and his strength and us using them and taking hold of these disciplines in our life, he in us does a work. So listen. People and circumstances are exterior. That's how God is working on you from the outside in through people and circumstances. But listen, discipline is whereby God is working on the inside of you out. And here, people and circumstances, we don't have control. Discipline, we have some limited control. Am I going to obey and put into practice the provisions that God has given me, or am I not? You with me? So what are those? What are those spiritual disciplines? We'll write them down. And I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list. I'm giving you a beginning list. These are the Bible, (laughs) spending time in the Word of God. And can I just tell you, you will get more out of your Bible reading reading a chapter a day and sitting it and looking at it and studying it and speaking, let God speak through it and meditating upon that than you will by trying to read through the Bible in a year, just trying to get done. So I would encourage you, if you're not an avid Bible reader, I would would suggest to you that you begin in the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of John or one of the other Gospels, and I would begin to read a chapter a day, and I would begin to meditate upon the Lord Jesus Christ. I would begin to meditate on what God is revealing to you through the Word of God. And by the way, it's not going to give you something new. All Scripture is inspired by God. Listen, there's no new interpretation. There may be many faceted applications, 
But what is, what is God saying through that text about his son, Jesus Christ? What is he revealing to you? And then begin to say to yourself, okay, now I read this chapter and I meditated on this truth. What do I need to do with it? Jesus, what are you saying? What are you telling me I need to apply it in my life? You would do a whole lot better to do that than you would to try to read through the Bible in a whole year. Second of all, prayer. Spending time talking to the Father. Prayer is so easy yet so complicated. Prayer is so easy yet we don't take advantage of it. Because we think our prayers have to be, again, an acceptable thing. In the sense that we have to form these certain words or have this right vocabulary. But let me just tell you something. Prayer is just talking to the Father. Opening your heart. And it's fellowship. We know all about fellowship at a Baptist church. You know, yeah, you may not be sitting there with a casserole, but spend some time talking to the Lord. Spend some time pouring your heart out before him. But more importantly, listen, spend time listening because God wants to speak. He wants to speak to us. And you may never hear an audible voice, but I'm going to tell you what. There's times in my life where God has spoke to me a lot louder than an audible voice. A lot louder. Four or three, write this down. What about fasting? Fasting. We don't do that anymore. What about four? Service. Serving God. What about five? Worship. Well, we've lost the art of worship. Worship is not what we do on Sunday morning. That's, that may be a, a part of maybe what we do. But worship on Sunday morning is an outflow, right, Tim, of what we've done during the week. If I come in here and I'm sitting like a bump on the log and say, bless me if you can, then I've probably not spent much time with Jesus this week. Because if I spend time with Jesus, listen, I can almost endure a lot of things. I can endure contemporary music. I can endure a hymn. I can, listen, my first church, let me tell you, there were some Sundays I've endured. A little girl who used to sing, well, she was a teenager at the time, who would sing. And let me tell you something, she could not sing. But that song was beautiful to Jesus. If it's beautiful to him, it's beautiful to me. Amen? It's not about entertainment. It's about giving our heart and singing to Jesus. Giving him everything. Giving. What about giving? Giving is a spiritual discipline. And again, the, the list is not exhaustive, but, but you get the point, right? Discipline yourselves to God. And this is about action. Taking hold of the provisions by which God has given us, whereby he is making us more like Jesus. It's not legalism. It's not show. It's not I'm trying to earn acceptance. I'm walking in the provisions that God has given me. And what results in that? Well, listen, it's a progressive journey. It's an intentional journey. And listen, it's a necessary journey because listen to what Paul says. Discipline yourselves toward godliness. What is the discipline towards? It's godly character. Godliness, again, I told you, was used nine times in 1 Timothy. What does he mean by godliness? Well, first of all, in relation to God. In relation to God, it is our devotedness. It has to do with our reverence. A word that that I heard spoken this week that we don't really talk about is the word all. We don't really talk about the all of God anymore. You know, so in my pursuit, in in my exercise toward godliness, I get to the place where I see the Father. Some of the songs I told you I'm listening to right now, um, 
one of the songs is uh, "Say Yes" is is the name of the song, and 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 honestly, most of you all hate it, but you know, it's just a choir that that sings, uh, I'll, "I'll say yes to Jesus, I'll be obedient to Him," and, and they sing that probably five hundred times in about a two and a half three minute song. But I, I'm going to tell you something: when when you begin to talk about saying yes to Jesus, and, and you begin to think about what does that really mean, what does that really mean? He can have my life. He can have everything. He can have me. He can have my money, my family. He can have everything. And I know that song just in my heart, in my mind, just, oh my word, just blows, blows my mind. It's so simple, but it's just like, yes, Jesus, you have everything. You can have everything because I want to be like you. You know, that's my desire. I want to be like Jesus. You know, I know my, my life, remember he said it has an effect, a power in this life and in that life. So how does it, what does it mean in relation to me? When, when we talk about godliness, what does that in relation to me? Well, let me just give you four words or four things, concepts, and we'll be done. First of all, that means I'm, I'm beginning to live a God-centered life. I'll never forget one of the greatest mentors in my life is Claude King. Claude King and I spent some time just privately praying and talking, and I'll never forget what Claude taught me. Claude said, he said, you know, Mike, I spent some time with Henry Blackaby. He said, and we wrote Experiencing God together, and, and Experiencing God was a powerful tool that God used in the 90s. And he said, uh, he said I was uh, taking um, Henry's information, and I was writing manuscripts for the book, and he said, I would take it, I would write these manuscripts, and I'd send them back to, to Henry, and he would send them back to me, and he would write at the top of the, of the manuscript, too man-centered. And, and he, was, he was frustrated by that, and so he spent a lot of time with Henry Blackaby, and he come to understand, and he come to learn what we all need to learn, is that too many times when we look at our, even our own Christian walk, we are too man-centered. And what we need to be, is God-centered. What does God say? What does God say about this in my life? What does God say I ought to be doing in my life? It's all ought to be about being God-centered. When I discipline myself towards godliness, I come out God-centered. But listen, not only that, number two, I come out looking like Jesus. Godliness is a picture of the Savior. If I want to know, am I, am I maturing towards godliness? I just simply need to open up the Gospels and begin to read and look at my Savior and go, hmm, I'm still not like him here. <laughs> I'm still growing. I'm still maturing. I'm still learning. Because I'm not like Jesus. I'm not going to go to the cross quietly. I'm going to scream and bicker and complain and cry and fuss. I still got a lot of learning to do, David. And I look at Jesus' life and I go, hmm, am I Christ-like? And how I treat people, how I preach, how I drive down the road, I'm learning. Number three, I find that I'm obedient. When God's word speaks, I do. That's tough. It's tough to be obedient sometimes. God may call you to things that you may say, you know, I don't know that I can do them. Well, if God's called you to it, you can do it. You can do it. 
And number four, I guess this sort of comes in the same thing as, I guess, God-centeredness or Christ-likeness, and that is right thinking or correct doctrine. So he calls it here, right? Doctrine. I come out thinking the right things. The right things about what? Jesus. Amen? The right things about Jesus. So what are we talking about this morning? Discipline is for the purpose of producing godliness in our life. What is discipline? Let me give it to you again, the definition. It refers to the provisions the Father has given to us whereby he makes us more like Jesus as promised in Romans 8.29. This is how he will conform you to look like the master. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.